We are live in 2024. First of all, we're alive in 2024, which I'm surprised that that actually happened. Um, but we're back. It's a new year. Is it a new you? Oh, uh, it's a new me. I think it's it, it's a non. It's a new fingernail. I took them off last time we saw you. You had fingernail and eyelash on, or eyelashes. eyelashes. You know, it was a good, uh, it was a good experiment because it instantly told you who's a super judgmental prick all the time. If they saw you and go, Whoa, what's up with that? I just instantly knew like, all right, this dude's not someone I'm going to be friends with. They would see him and be like, Huh, give him a shot. So you want to be friends with the people that are accepting of colored nails, just accepting in general. <laughs> you know what? We all have different credences, <laughs> views, opinions, standpoints. We're all together. We're one. I honestly, they Going into 2024, after hearing that, I wish I could have, like, I need a reset already. Like, why, why, are, why are you here in 2024? Like, why, what, I feel like it's 2023 again. I'm super <laughs> granola all of a sudden. Oh my gosh. Just a couple weeks further. Um, you, uh, man, any, any resolutions? What are you doing? Um, I just want to fight a lot this year. I was supposed to fight on LFA and I had to pull. I tore my hamstring, unfortunately, <laughs> and that sucked. Um, I'm sorry laughing at you. He legitimately pulled his hamstring. The whole, he, we get in here. <laughs> it's me and Kamuela, just three guys. And he's like, hey, take a look at this. And I know what he's talking about because I saw what, <laughs> you know, him training, trying to train earlier. And he just turns around, pulls his pants straight down. Uh, Should and, I do it for the audience? I'm okay with it. <laughs> All right, let's go. Oh, man. I've got to show okay my injury. Yeah, we'll show the injury. We are pulling pants down. Um, is, can you see? Do I, here, let me move your giant cup. Can you see the, the bruising on the back of his leg? Yeah, he tore his hamstring all the way up and down. Sounded like a machine gun popping. Uh, and so he will not be fighting February 9th. I'll be fighting February 10th for a different show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, but do you, so you want to fight more? Anything else? Uh, honestly, that's it. I, I think I've been, you know, uh, we, not to get super like motivational, inspirational, but uh, I think, you know, for a long time, my goal was always to make money. I've made money. Last year was a little tough for me uh, in terms of money, but you know, previously I made money and I had different things and goals that I wanted to achieve and do in sales and gambling and business and everything. And I've done most of those things. And uh, now it's like back to back to square one, like back to like the hunger, back to uh, feeling like I'm 19 again. And I just want to fight. Like, it's funny you say that because it's almost like now you really, you could say this all the time and we've heard it. We've heard it. All the gurus say it. All the psychologists say it. All the motivational people say it is you can't buy happiness. Having all the money in the world doesn't buy happiness. You need to be intrinsically motivated and intrinsically happy. And you like, not to say that those goals didn't make you happy by winning the stuff and doing what you did. The money was a byproduct of the goals, which was like doing well in sales selling stuff, doing well in gambling, you know, getting money because of it, but it wasn't necessarily the money. The money was the outcome. But now that you have all of that other stuff, it still doesn't buy happiness. You need goals, which are intrinsic to you, which happens to be fighting. I, I, uh, I listen to this guy a lot, Alex Formosi. I think I've talked about him a few times. And then he had this thing about happiness and he goes, if you, if you view happiness as something you have to chase, you will never achieve it. He goes, just be like, just, just life just is because if you're always setting a goal for happiness or, or, or setting a goal, you're never going to achieve what you're saying. Cause it, the goalpost is going to keep moving. Um, in general, I think I'm just never happy in general. Like, um, there was a long time where I could just sit there and like, life's good. Bills are paid, stomach's full. And I'm just like, 
not happy? Like, what else can I be doing? Well, I don't know. How you're not happy. We've got to define some words. There's, there's being content and being like, there's always more. The goal always moves on a, on a goal basis. And you want to have a goal, reach a goal. And then you move that further down and further down and further down means you're not content with what you've done in life and you want to keep achieving, but then there's happiness and happiness is separate. I think from goals, I think there'd be, there's being content. Oh, I'm just good. I'm good here. Like I'm good. Let me just go to my job, come home, drink a couple beers every night, you know, hunt on the weekends. And that's that. I don't know if I've genuinely ever been happy though. Like, and I, I mean that when I say that, I think in general, I just kind of hate myself altogether. It's probably why I fight and do all these things, but you know, like I'd be on vacation and just like not happy. Like there's so much more that I want to do. Like, how can I enjoy this when there's everything else that I, I want to achieve and do? Um, and so it's, it's literally going right back to it. Like, you know, I, I kind of said this, like I would have traded the million dollars to be a 10 time black belt world champion. Like to me, that's way cooler than a million dollars, like million dollars. So many people have done that, but how many people have been world champion? Like, I think that shit's so much and having nothing, like I'd sleep on a floor and be a 10 time world champion than have a million dollars. But let's, let's not be crazy here. Money is awesome. Like money makes everything money takes away the stress. So th yeah, but it, it, you can have fun. Like it's fucking fun. Yeah. It's fun to be able to buy stuff. It's actually, it's like the thing that I like about money is one, you get to go places. So I want to travel. So like, like getting stuff, I don't really care. Like I'm not overly materialistic. Like I'm, you say I'm with not, your brand new Scotch and soda shirt and your, your Nikes. And your <laughs> yeah. I mean, but at my level, you know what I mean? Like that's not like, but that's just, I do say that, but this is like, this wasn't a big purchase for me in terms of like stuff. So I wouldn't go, I wouldn't expend a large portion of my income on a material thing. Gotcha. Like this wasn't something that I had to think about or like, oh, I'm not going to eat or It took 10 years for that. you to buy a watch and I told you buy one always. Yes. You know, forever. Exactly. And so, so money buys me vacations and the ability to go places with my wife and kids and stuff like that. And then the other thing it does is, is it takes away stress that I know where, that I have enough money to live. And that alone, like, I, I don't know what the odds are and what the statistics are, but I bet you if you guys could probably very quickly Google like the amount of fights and marriages that end because of financial instability, like that's probably huge. And the one thing that I have right now is financial stability. And that's nice. I don't, I'm not rich by any means. I, I, I don't have a lot of money, but I have enough money to where I can live comfortably. And if I were to lose everything right now, I would be able to live for a few months before, you know, everything went chaotic. And that to me is everything is, is the anxiety of where the money is coming from next and being able to pay bills versus just not having to worry about that. And then worrying about life and being able to do life good or bad at life. But that financial stress of money that will weigh the shit out of me. So I just looked it up and it says that typically around 41% of divorced Gen Xers, along with 29% of divorced boomers, state that the reason their marriages ended was due to financial disagreements. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's huge. That's a massive amount yeah. of, of stuff. And so, so to me, that's what money does for me. It does nothing for my goals. I still look at myself as a failure every single day. Like I've written books, I've fought, I'm a third degree black belt, I've coached world championship title fights. Um, I still, like if you're like, like I've done fine. Like I'm not... Yeah, you've done like, a lot of cool stuff. I've done a lot of stuff in other people's eyes, but to myself, like I'm fine. Like, I, but I don't look, I wouldn't brag about any of my accomplishments or anything that I've achieved 
at like I just I'm like, yeah, it's fine. Like it's not I'm not impressed. So I have to keep going and keep moving and keep doing. I guess last thing we'll say kind of about the money thing. First of all, like, you know, you say like you feel content. It was so weird when I got the million dollars, like transferred to my Chase bank account and I see two comma, two commas. I was like, right, commas? I had to think about it. There was two commas in my bank account. I remember screenshotting it and sending it to my mom. I kid you not, the next day I was like stressed out about money. I was like, fuck, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? How am I going to pay for this? With a million dollars in my bank, my Chase bank account was crazy. So I think it's all relative. Like, you know, the last four or five years I've made, you know, six figures plus at my real job, plus gambling, plus every other avenue. And I've always been stressed about money. Always. Like right now I'm stressed about money. And it's like, I have a lot of avenues and, and ways that this is coming in. Um, last thing I'll say, right. Money can't buy happiness. Uh, that's what they say. I disagree with that vehemently. Um, I was never a car guy. Like, I don't know shit about cars. I, I don't really care about cars that much. Right. I, I drove, I still drive a 2014 Honda. I just took that all over the, uh, all over the States. But then I got, uh, I, I was looking for a tax write-off. So I got a business car. Um, so I got a BMW, right? A brand new BMW. <clears throat> and I got behind the wheel of that thing and I felt the heated steering wheel, and the heated seats and the, the sound of the engine and the turbo. And I feel all that stuff. And I just went, wow, like there are really nice things in life. And I, I hate this fake, like, uh, oh, I'm not into material things. I, did we talk about this on the podcast? I don't know, we might've. I, I hated when girls, you know, would, uh, would be like, I'm not materialistic like somebody who's materialistic because you can appreciate nice things and just admit that nice things are nice things. Mm -hmm. That BMW is so fun to drive. It gets me going. It gets me a little bit, a uh, little, little bit uh, aroused where the Honda doesn't, you know? Yeah. And so like, there's nothing wrong with enjoying and, and liking nice things. Now, if your entire personality and is, is based off of, look, this, this Gucci purse is my personality. Then you got some well, only nice things is fun, but identifying and having them be the source of your happiness is where I think the problem is. Yeah. And, and, and that's, what's fun for me going back to training is like, I've been there financially and done things that a lot of fighters, they would trade everything for, for what I've done. And like, now I'm like, no, no, I want to be where you are. Like, this is fun for me. It's a guy I know who's very wealthy. He says the, he wanted to make enough money to where he could always fly first class. And that was his goal. Sick. And I'm like, that is a good goal. Like my, honestly, of all the stuff I have, I mean, I have a couple of nice cars that are, you know, and a sweater that's, a, you know, like, but the two things that I think like are frivolous things that I really appreciate that are just excessive are, I'd never had nice sheets until I had nice sheets. Okay. A cr like a thousand, fifteen hundred thread count sheets. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, you do not need them in life. But man, it's really nice. Yeah. And the other thing, and this is not a very expensive thing. So this is actually something probably ev not everyone could afford, but you you actually could. It's it's two nights a week, one night a week at, at a bar a month is a house cleaner. Um, we have a house cleaner come in every other week, just once every other week. Um, my wife does an amazing job cleaning the house and doing stuff and this and that. And But it's just nice to have somebody come in and really just do stuff. And that's I don't know, 250 bucks, 300 bucks a month, which in the grand scheme of thing is not crazy, but it's definitely money spent that you could do. Like you could do all this stuff yourself. Yeah. hundred percent. I used to have house cleaners too. And I had like the worst yard ever because it was an all dirt yard. So they would leave and then my dogs would run outside and just immediately make it dirty again. But it did feel so clean and so good for just that. that those, those little things. I, I think about this a lot. Like, you know, um, I worked a really good sales job for a long time and I'm actually going to go back pretty soon. Um, 
I blew a lot of money on stupid things, but they all made me feel really good. And like, you know, there's a certain point of like, yes, you should invest your money and save your money, but also you have to live a little bit. Mm -hmm. You have to enjoy things like house cleaners and a nice dinner. And uh, sometimes you want a nice pair of shoes and a nice car. Like sometimes you got to enjoy those and, and balance the two. Don't be a complete idiot, but uh, also live a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Last thing I'll say on the New Year's is a lot of people, you know, will ask me what my New Year's resolution is. And I very adamant that I don't have New Year's resolution. They were clamoring for it in like, the comments. All I heard they? all the time was, what is Santino's New Year's resolution? Oh, I'm adamantly opposed to them because- <laughs> Nobody I, asked. I, 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 people have, no, they, like, they, they've been asking me, oh, what's your New Year's resolution? Stuff. I'm like, there is, there's literally what you wake up and do today and that's it. That's it, every day. And so for people to be like, oh, this year I'm going to this and I'm going to this and that, I just find it comical. I, I don't think they're realistic. Because why didn't you do it last year? Just start now. Yeah, that, that's it. My New Year's resolution started the second I realized I had to do something different at any point ever, every day. Every day is a New Year's resolution. It's just getting up and doing what you do that day. What you did today is what you can do tomorrow. What you do tomorrow is what you're going to do the following day again and again and again. So the resolutions are stupid. Um, I think there's what you do and how you act right here, right now. And that's it. That's all that matters. I actually kind of like them because you know what it's just for like, for, for me, it's like religion. Like I'm not into religion. I don't go to church. I don't, I don't even know what I believe or don't believe, but any set of guidelines that forces someone to be a better person, I'm all for. So if it takes you sitting down going, okay, I'm waiting till the new year and then I'm going to do this fine. Whatever it's going to take, as long as you go get it done, like, cool. I, I'm all for that. It's funny you say that. Cause I'm very adamant about like, not adamant. I just am very, I don't do well with guidelines, even religious guidelines. I don't like to subscribe to. And even I, like, I feel like I'm a, if you want to think about a morality and stuff like, yes, I do the right stuff. I teach my kids the right stuff, but not in the confines of religion, but even people all the time, fighters, they want a system. They want me to name things. And look, I'm not as creative as uh, Lil Wayne, but it reminds me of Lil Wayne. Okay. Okay. Let's I like where this is going. That he doesn't write down his lyrics because they're, constrained him too much it was too confining and he wasn't able to be free because he wanted to like have you ever seen his documentary stuff like that no i haven't oh my god it was amazing because first of all i'm the biggest lil wayne fan in the world for me it's jay-z then lil wayne sorry guys sorry old heads um but the documentary was amazing because first of all the guy is just extremely high all day long like and then like he'll be doing the the syrup and stuff like that like all day long but they'll just be walking in a hotel lobby him and his posse and they'll be like hey stop and then they have a mobile studio they'll just bust out the studio in the hotel lobby and he'll just rap and then they pack it up and then go up to the hotel room like like nothing he's just like wherever love he it. is they just have to stop and record right now while it's in his head and then continue about their day so i love that because i i've noticed that naming things really limits me like i don't like to name like a choke is a choke it's like well what's a guillotine was well, it arm in guillotine or is it no arm is it a cross is it this and then people think i'm like oh if you guillotine then they do it one way i'm like no 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 just like it really puts limits on the way that I learn and the way that I like to teach um, jujitsu, kickbox, anything like naming stuff and adding a system. Cause then people are like, well, forward and backwards. What if it's forward and like one degree <laughs> backwards and slightly like, well, is it a different thing or is it the same thing? So that really messes with me in terms of, uh, we've never named, we've never creativity. named stuff since the beginning. I remember coming to you and I was such a jujitsu nerd and studying every day. And I'd be like, well, Eddie Bravo calls this crackhead control. And you'd be like, I don't know, man, just do the move. I don't because first of all, the names are renamed a lot. And so the same move is named 20 different things, depending on where you're at. But then again, it's, it's, if you add a tiny variance to it, is it the same? Is it different? Is it not? And that really always messed me up. Again, just be. That's it. Just, just be. be. Um, yeah. 
So, well, let's just be getting onto these fights because uh, this is the first fight of the year. Okay. It's been what, a month, five weeks off. It's been a while. I'm ready. I'm ready to see some fights. I'm ready to do this. Uh, Before we do, you guys, uh, just please like the video and subscribe. That's, you know, this is, you guys are watching this for free on YouTube or listening for free. I showed my ass. You guys should subscribe to the channel. Yeah. I mean, what other YouTubers are showing their ass? You're lucky I didn't turn around. MMA guru wouldn't show his ass. So, you know, it's free on YouTube, free on Spotify and iTunes and all that stuff. You know, subscribing to the channel helps us out, gets you notified, and, you know, it's a win-win from everyone. And then last, actually, before we get going into this, I want your money. Um, All of it. No, I actually want, like, uh, I started a youth wrestling nonprofit. And it's, you know, in downtown Phoenix, there's no wrestling clubs near me. You get to drive 30, 40 minutes away. So I started a local, uh, it's a 501c3 nonprofit for, it's called Arcadia Youth Wrestling Club. Um, So if you guys would uh, not mind donating, I I would love it. It helps keep, uh, you know, the doors open, mats, paying for the coaches, helping kids out with their USA wrestling card if they need it, and whatever else goes on to make sure that kids are able to wrestle. So link will be down, you know, in the show notes. So so please definitely uh, check that out. Let's get into some fights. All right, let's do it. Where How are we long starting? was that, Gabe? How long was that intro? 1730. Oh, too long, did not watch. T-L-D-W. <laughs> Is that what that means? <laughs> T- too long, didn't read. I have to T-L-D-R. look all that stuff up yeah. on... Uh... Uh, Man, so we've got a good card. Uh, this is actually kind of a fun card. There's, it, it's funny. I always think the card is easier to bet at the bottom, and if it gets much harder to bet as as the card goes up because fights are more competitive and, and all of that. In this one, I think there are definitely some good bets on the lower end of the card. Uh, but as a whole, I think it's actually a really fun card. I mean, we have Jim Miller, Benitez, Manel Cape is on here, Ricky Simone, Batista, Phil Haas. I mean, it's just a fun Good for Some a, close matchups. For an Apex card. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's a good one. So let's get going. Uh, Philippe Bunez, Boons, Bunez. I don't even know how to say this. I know him. <laughs> I know Philippe, and I don't even know how to say it. Uh, against Josh Van. I'm going to kick this one off. Hold, and, hold on. Oh, be, no, just whoa. on this one, on this one. So I was watching tape. So first of all, my laptop went out, which uh, uh, cracking the, in the LED screen ruined my whole week. I, I couldn't, like, study how I usually do like properly, like sit down with it. Right. So I'm watching on a TV and then all of a sudden my internet wasn't so strong. So it's like, it's like blurry and it was horrible. Right. But, uh, I put this on and my girlfriend, uh, who's Brazilian, right. She goes, every Brazilian man, they introduce themselves. You always know there's a Brazilian in the room. They, they make their presence known, but, uh, I'm watching Philippe and she goes, is that the guy you guys interviewed, uh, the other day that said dirty Brazilians? <laughs> she said he looks just she like looks, Tony she, Kelly. That's awesome. Which he kind of it's, does. It kind of is Tony Kelly's Brazilian, uh, <laughs> doppelganger. Yeah. I was like, well, funny story. Dirty Brazilians. Yep. Uh, hmm. all right. Well, on to Philippe. So we have Josh Van on one side. We know what we're getting with Van. Good boxer, uh, good pocket work. He, I forget, uh, you know, I just don't have it in front of me his last fight, um, who is the Borja, Borjas? Yes. Yes. Kevin Borjas, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. Or, You're making up names. It's okay. Um, he had a hard time finding his way on the inside. But then in the second round, he was like, I'm just pressuring you. The thing is, is, is you try to feel people out and you try to find this like perfect way to get inside. And then it doesn't really exist. And then you saw him go, okay, now I'm just going to march you down and walk you down. That's the way that we get inside. And he did that. 
And then his head movement is great. Body work is great. And then, of course, even got a takedown at the end of the third round. The kid is solid. The kid is a stud. Um, I like him. You know, he, he doesn't have a ton of jujitsu. And he's very small. In wrestling experience, yeah. And then Philippe on the other side is tall for 125. I mean, he's my height. Tall, skinny as a rail. Looks like a pencil. You could snap him off. But gosh, his jujitsu. You guys don't even know how good his jujitsu is. Um, I'm talking about him because he has trained with us at Fight Ready, but he's not a mainstay. He's come up for some camps, and I've never – it's funny. Even on Tapology, they list him as Fight Ready because he fought – you know, but but he really isn't. I love Philippe. He's a pit bull guy. Yeah, he's a pit bull guy. He's come up and trained with us, but I, I don't feel weird about talking about him. Um, but his jiu-jitsu is really, really, really good. His wrestling is not amazing, but he will scramble and wiggle and find his way into some of these transitions and scrambles. The thing that worries me about him a little bit is he's too upright in Muay Thai stance-ish and stuff flying down the middle hits him. I mean, he, he's, he's very hittable, but he actually has a really good chin and, um, you know, he has good knees and he hits hard. He swings hard. And actually, if you look at him over his last few fights, he's gone from that traditional Muay Thai stance, kind of square hands out. And he's actually narrowed that stance up a little bit and tightened up his hands marginally. And then, uh, honestly, he's just tough. He just knows how to win. I, I, I'm probably very biased here, but I like Philippe for the upset. Um, I, I don't know how. I just, the dude is tough as nails and his jujitsu is just crafty as shit. Um, you know, does he shit the bed in his first time in the UFC? Maybe, but man, he, he really is good. And he's actually a lot better than what people have seen on tape. I, I, you know, so I went into this, I understand what they're trying to do with Van, right? And people kind of put it like this. They're putting Van, who's 22 years old, against a 34-year-old guy making his UFC debut. Um, I rate Felipe way above uh, Borjas, way above. Borjas is like a tough guy and he's jittery and got okay boxing, but he's got a one-two and that's it. Uh, Felipe's a good striker. I mean, he really is a good striker. He's tall, dynamic, a um, lot of good things in his game. And like you said, his jitsu is really, really good. Um, one thing I worry about is like uh, is him taking Van down and just top gaming him. Like honestly, that I don't think the striking is too, too far off. I mean, Van is good and he works in bodies, which is something you don't see a whole bunch. But uh, his body work is beautiful. Some of the best that I've seen. He just doesn't. He just doesn't care. He doesn't just gets care. in there and swings. Um, I, I think the price is like kind of wide on this one, right? I think uh, Van's minus two ten. I think he should probably be in the minus 150 range. And I think the biggest thing here is uh, the cardio is what, you know, the, the narrative is, is that Philippe fades a little bit. And maybe that's from him being so yeah. big and so dynamic and fast twitchy where Van is a small guy, but he fights within himself. Um, God, I mean, this, this, you know, for Van backers and for people betting on Van, this could get really tough if Philippe gets top game, right? Especially a guy with as little jujitsu and as little grappling as, as Van has, um, I, I think over the stretch of this, I think Van is probably a special talent. I think he's probably going to get it done. The last two things I'll say on this is one, I was, you look at Borjas kept backing up, backing up, backing up, trying to create space. He, Van's pocket work is great and his forward pressure are great, but Philippe is going to clinch. He's not going to be, the, the distance isn't going to be as big of a deal because Philippe's not going to be striking. He's going to clinch. He's going to throw a knee. He's going to clinch. He'll pull guard. Like, I mean, which I generally don't like, but with Philippe here, I'm not overly opposed to it. And then last, um, I could see Philippe getting the upset here, even if he does. And even if he looks amazing, I think Van is going to be the one with the better career, the overall. Are you actually shivering over there? 
It is cold Dude, in it here. It is not. It's warmed up quite a bit. No, it hasn't. It's it is warmed up. We, we have a heater in here, but I just didn't turn it on in time. It is cold. I, I didn't realize it. Um, Lucky I didn't turn around. That thing would have been an any. <laughs> All right. Next up, we've got Nicholas Moda and Tom Nolan. Tom Nolan's coming in at minus 330. Nicholas Moda is in at two seven, plus 270. Uh, give me the go. Well, Dwayne The Rock Johnson tells me that um, – that Moda gets super fat and super like hairy out of camp. Like when mm. he doesn't have a fight, grows a beard. No, I'm just kidding. But that is true. But uh, I, uh, I don't think there's much to say here. I mean, Moda's pretty much showed his hand. Like I thought he was going to have a good career and be really good. Got knocked out by Miller, got killed by Ogden, got beat up by everybody so far. Um, I, I mean, there's not much to say here. Nolan, could be a weenie, could be a great talent. I think he's going to end up getting the knockout here. He's so big and tall. And Moda is like my height and fights at a crazy division. Um, size, power, everything I see being a problem for Moda here. Yeah, I mean, Moda's one of those guys, they've given him the they've given him the shots. And he just, we all had Moda. Who did Moda fight last? Um, Trey Ogden. Man, he awful stoppage. Ogden, oh, that was an abomination. But the ruling, the ruling too. Yeah, yeah but no, but Trey Ogden won that fight, a hundred percent of the fight. Not a hundred percent of the fight, but won the fight. That was his fight. Easily, ten ten more seconds or a minute, whatever it was, and, and the fight's over with, and he wins a decision. And then the no, I mean, they, they should have let it go to the judge's decision or something. It's not yeah. like he was losing and then got fouled. Like he it wasn't was like Dan Argueta and uh, Ronnie Lawrence, where it was like so early yeah. in the first round. Like this was a full fight played out. Like, yeah, that that really sucks. But honestly, I mean, uh, Ogden beat him with a jab. He had no idea what to do. The thing with Moda is he just waits and waits and waits and waits, and he has no idea how to create an opening, and so he just stands there walks forward and then just gets teed up because he's waiting for it. And by the time he swings, his opponents are are already gone. Um, I bet you, I said this uh, on the Patreon, we did some, some early leans on all this stuff. I bet you he's a world beater in the gym. I bet you he's actually really good. Moda, Moda. Yeah, 100%. yeah. I bet you he's really good because on a technical level, he's really solid everywhere. He does a lot of the right stuff. He just can't put it together when it matters. And he just waits. He just waits. He waits and waits and waits. Um, yeah, I, I think we don't know a lot about Nolan. We haven't seen a lot of film on him. He hasn't fought very high-level competition outside of the UFC. Um, he only has a few fights outside of the UFC. He's big. He moves well. I think he's 6'3", 6'2", 6'3". Yeah, yeah, big one. Um, and he knows how to fight. He's not great, but uh, I think Nolan is going to run away with this one. Um, two contender series guys. This fight is for Nolan to win. Yeah, different trajectories here. Exactly. Uh, next up, we have uh, Weston Wilson and Gene Silva. And Weston Wilson's plus 600. Gene Silva is minus 900. And... I was trying to find a way to does Weston Wilson win this. Like I'm trying yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm looking at Gene Silva and I think he's good, but I don't think he's minus 900 good against probably anyone. Like I just think there's a lot to, to, to want um, his hands the way he is. He floats stuff, but he's actually a lot smarter than like he's putting his hands down and beating people. You think in. he's a normal Brazilian, but he's actually smart. <laughs> yeah. He's actually doing a, like he, he will, taunt people and do this stuff. But then as soon as he faints, he brings both hands high. Yeah. Like he knows what he's doing, trying to draw people in. Um, look, he's fine. He does all the right stuff. I think he's fine. 
Weston Wilson on the other side, he's coming from Simpsonville, South Carolina, training with the Wonder Boy. So you're like, all right, he's going to be a karate guy. And then you're looking, you're like, where's the, where's the karate here? I mean, I don't, I don't know that he really is a karate guy. Um, he doesn't move like one. And, and the biggest thing with Weston Wilson is on a physicality level, I think Gene Silva is going to be able to physically throw him around however he wants. And so even if he were to get into a bad position, I, I think the physicality is going to be a thing. And then I don't know that Weston Wilson has the power in his hands to really hurt Gene Silva the way that he's going to need to. So I think we've already seen this fight a little bit in the uh, Brito fight with Weston Wilson. Just take him down and beat on him. I, th I think Gene Silva will strike with him more. And But I, but I think Gene Silva is just going to absolutely bully Weston Wilson. And I, I do think it's going to be one-sided. I, I don't know that there's any value here on anything is like minus 900 against, I don't know, go for it. I think he wins. Um, it's just a lot of money to put down on somebody's first UFC fight as well. Who knows? Who knows if the lights get to Gene Silver or whatever. I, I like him. I think he's fine. Um, I think he's a lot better than Weston Wilson. Gene Silver seems like one of those guys, like the lights couldn't penetrate him if they, if they were right on him. Like he just is like down to fight game to fight. Um, his contender series fight was so much better than his tape. I was like, so critical. I thought Vallejos was going to run through him. And honestly, for the first round, I was like, all right, good bet. Like very solid here. And then, uh, he's just so game and, and such a, such a dog that he just, the physicality, it was insane. Right. Even over Vallejos, who's a little younger. So, you know, yeah, I don't think there's much to say here. Honestly, uh, our guy, uh, Pierce put the over in this fight, you know, you're gonna have a, a cheeks clenched over, but, uh, I think honestly I could see the over. In this I fight. could see that because Silva will stand the outside a bit and kind of let people, he, he will draw people in until he gets what he wants. Yeah. And I could see Weston Wilson being more than happy sitting on the outside. Not taking damage. Not taking. There, there's a, a boxer. Uh, God, his name was, if you guys know who the boxer is, please put it in the comments. Cause I bet on him the other day. His name was Ben something. He's a British boxer. This, this guy is an amazing, like sick boxer. Like he messes around in the ring so much because he just knows at any point he can just KO these guys like whenever he's ready. Um, and then his over underline was set at two and a half rounds. And I'm like, I think this guy is just going to showboat for two and a half rounds. And then the third or fourth round, he'll end up knocking the guy out. And that's what he did. He literally just, you know, he could knock the guy out in the first 30 seconds if he wanted to. Messed around, messed around, was dancing for the crowd. And then round three, oh, knocked him dead. And go. I'm like, I could see the same thing happening here, right? Enough like, you know, this and this and then hitting the over. But yeah. Gene What's the overset on this? Is it over two and a half or is it one, one and a half? half? Okay. Yeah, I would do one and a half. Two and a half, I think is That's little, pushing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a little... uh little risky over there what do we have next um ah shit my i went to the wrong fight okay we got gene silva western Fareed basharat and taylor lapalus um give me your thoughts on that yeah this is good i love taylor lapalus i love his striking i think uh i think he's a really good guy and i was reading a lot of comments people kind of shit on him They're oh like, really what as a human or as a fighter well no i'm just kidding um just as a fighter they're like you know if Fareed can't get past this guy then like you know what is he doing and i'm like I've never really felt that way about Laplace. Like Laplace is good. He's really good. Um, he knows his game too. Like he kind of skirts the outside counter punches, but he's got good takedown defense. Like he is really, really solid. Um, Farid, I think is just that good. I think this is like, uh, this is a good matchup. <clears throat> just two really good prospects, like really, really good prospects. And I think the winner will get a big push. Um, I think Farid's grappling is 
so so good it's underrated it's really underrated these these bachelor bros the things that they're they're not like these blast double all-american wrestlers they're such like gangly weird funky wrestlers but they time things so well pepper up top drop level and just shoot through it with everything they have and they'll cut angles their jujitsu is phenomenal um you know the we uh kalen kalen lofren i can never say his name kalen lofren just such a bulldog, right? He's just such a, he is one of those power wrestlers, just a bulldog, press you on the fence. And that was a close fight, even in that one. And I thought Lapalus was going to KO Lofren. Um, and he didn't, right? He, he caused a tough fight. Now you have a guy who can hang with him and be competitive on the feed, is really long, has good striking, has amazing level changes, and then really good top game jujitsu. Um, the price is probably wide here, right? I mean, he's, you know, What's, what is the price? I, I have it here. I meant to say it. Minus 300 for Bashara and Taylor Laplace is plus 250. Yeah. I, I don't think that's wide for this fight. Really? Okay. I, I mean, I, I like Bashir to win. If it was minus 500, I think that's still a good thing here. Um, oh, okay. No, and I, I don't see that. I, I, I really like Laplace. I really like his striking. thing with the, the person to beat Bashara is going to be a guy who's going to be. Um, a Johnny Walker type, but somebody's just going in there, just swinging wild shit and clips him and catches him. You're, it's going to be hard to out technique and out tactical Basharat. He is so clean everywhere, and his distance, his management, his range is is phenomenal. Now, you, you know, Lapalus does a really good job of if Moda is the guy who counter strikes without doing anything, Lapalus is the opposite. He is constantly touching and feeling and waiting and trying to get people to throw at him. And then he fires back. He will, he really disrupts his rhythm and his range quite a bit. He's touching and touching, pulling and going. That isn't going to help him here with Basharat though, because Basharat's the same thing. It's like, Oh, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. They're waiting for two guys waiting for the big setup, kind of touching each other back and forth. Um, Lapalus is striking. I, I love it. I, he takes a long time and he's very calculated and then he starts to put it on as the fight goes. Yep. This is a three round fight though. So do you really want to give more, like to allow more time for the fight to continue where Lapalus really has an issue is his takedown defense. Um, he's really good at that. I'm tall. I'm awkward. You get me to the fence and I just like stick yeah, my hands yeah. out and he will dig under hooks and he'll block. He does the right stuff off of the initial uh, takedown defense where he struggles is one of people just blast him and get him off his feet. And then in the chain wrestling right there. Um, I, I think the only way that I see Lapalus winning this is if he can time a knee on a Basharat shot or something like that. I Which think, is tough because he's so good at timing. It. Yes, he really is good at that. Where Basharat shines outside of his, I mean, honestly, everywhere, his cardio is good, his distance is good, he's tall, he's rangy, everything that you can imagine is is good. The the two things that, or I guess the one thing that I don't like about Basharat is he's not always there to finish. He, he kind of lets the fight continue and continue. And, and I think if he were to push it a little bit, I think it would make things a little risky, but I think he would find some finishes. I think he's that good. Um, but the thing with Basharat that's the best is his ability to finish a single leg. He will shoot a double, and then if people defend it, that thing is up in the air. He's pulling the knee down, and he is he's tripping backside, lead side. His single leg finishes are beautiful. And Lapalus, if he cannot stop that, how are you going to beat him. I mean, that's, that's it. It's, it's takedown game right there. So I think when somebody does beat Basharat, if they do, it's, it's, it's gotta be a ape going in there, just swinging for the fences, trying to clip him because 
and he, he really is that technical. All right. Minus 500 playable. Uh, Marcus McGee, Gaston Balanos. Um, am I up? Yeah, you're I think up. I'm up. So Marcus McGee's at minus 260 and Gaston Balanos is plus 220. Um, I don't know if, how I feel about these odds. I've kind of gone back and forth about like, are these odds appropriate or not? And this and that we, we haven't Marcus McGee's very decent. Like, and, and I, I just, I don't know if I say that as criticism or a compliment or not. Like he's just, he is not amazing anywhere, but he's pretty good and okay everywhere. He's tough. He has good hands. Um, He has good power in his hands. When he switches, I think the best thing that he does when he switches southpaw and throws a straight left, like he's, he's got a lot of power. He hurts people. And then he knows he's got a sense of urgency. He knows to jump on him, to, to jump on their neck, to finish him when, when he has it. Um, his level of competition is not great, but neither is Gaston Bolanos. I was going to say, it's um, a world no, of it, it really isn't. And Bolanos, um, his pre-UFC, I think he was 6-2. and two. I, I, don't, I mean, I get Sean Shelby loves these strikers and, and these guys. And, and don't get me wrong, man. Gaston striking is good, but I, I, it's not world beaterish. It's not crazy. Um, I, I like his elbows. I like, like his spinning stuff. And it's very fine. It's very good. But I don't think – I think people – overshoot Gaston striking so much, so much. And I don't know that if this whole thing stays standing, I don't know that he beats Marcus McGee standing. I don't either. Because I think the power and the MMA and the just physicality of McGee is going to be a lot for Bolanos. Bolanos' takedown defense is really bad. It's, I mean, it's been a while. He's been training at Uriah Faber's. He's been going up there again and again, but it still is not amazing. He'll play on his back a little bit. He's, Man, I, I, I think McGee. First of all, if McGee just decides to wrestle, done. Easy win. Easy win. Not easy, but definitely the easiest path. But I think he could still get it done, even if he doesn't decide to wrestle. So I like McGee here. I thought the exact same thing. I'm, I'm watching Gaston. I'm like, okay, Gaston is is hyped up. You know, a guy who got me was uh, Asa Asa Tenpal. Asa Tenpal fought MMA, and everyone was hyping him up like he's so amazing. And then he kind of looked meh in MMA. He goes back to kickboxing, world-class, amazing, right? And I'm kind of expecting Gaston Bolanos to look something like Asa Tenpal. I'm like, okay, he's going to be, you know, just this good. And I'm like, it's fine. He's okay. It's fine. I actually like uh, Marcus's feints, his stand switches. I like his striking for MMA much better. You know, yeah. Just I, do, I like the way that Gaston sets up his knees and his elbows in MMA. They're fine, I, but I he really, doesn't really put a ton of uh, gas on them. Yeah. Like, like Gaston had doesn't, you know, whatever. Hey. We'll, we'll save that one. Hey, but, uh, yeah, you're right. I, I can see Marcus beating Gaston on the feet. And then, like you said, anytime you have that switch. So like, I like, I like Marcus here, like a fair bit. Yeah. All right. Next up, we've got Matthew Semmelsberger and Preston Parsons. Semmelsberger is coming in at one third minus one thirty two. Parsons at plus one twelve. Okay, I spent a lot of time on this one, and then so I did to, I. So I'm curious. Yeah, to hear yeah. Your I had to double check, and uh, we're on opposite sides of the fence here. I uh, I like to I like it because we do. I start, you start, I start, you start. Yeah. And sometimes I want to talk, but sometimes I want to hear other people's. I want to hear your thoughts before mine because I'm on the fence on a lot of stuff. So I, I, I like I want to hear your thoughts. So on this I know one. where your I, I know what your thought process is because you trained me, and uh, so like I know everything that you're thinking. And you read my write up. No, I didn't read your write-up. No, I didn't read your write-up. I just read who who you thought's going to win uh, on the Discord. So 
I understand where you're going with this one. And I also understand that play. I've never seen somebody in Semmelsberger who has the best first line takedown defense followed by the worst second line and the worst <laughs> getups I've ever seen in my life. Right. Like you watch the Jeremiah Wells fight, right? He clips Jeremiah and then Jeremiah starts wrestling and he is, a, I mean, he's a tank and he grabs Jeremiah, whips him to his back, gets on top of him, whips him again. His, his first line takedown defense where he gets those hips and he wizards you and he throws you incredible. Then you get slightly under his butt and you just tip him over and he falls and then he's there for the rest of the round. So I assume where you're going with this is like, okay, Preston is a really tough guy. Uh, he's got a good hook to a low kick. He presses forward the whole time and he just doesn't die and he's going to get one takedown and seal the round. I get it. I think Nathan Fletcher and uh, Jeremiah Wells are animals. They're tanks. They're so strong. Very good blast doubles. Uh, Preston Parsons is very amateur juvenile wrestler like like straight up to me he looks like a high school kid that just is really into ufc and then goes to a gym one day and they kind of teach him a few combos and like he knows how to box now he's shooting on you know shooting on his knees and stuff like that um i think semmelsberger has really nice power like he's got he has solid power without sits down on his punches yes and yeah, I love Samuel's burger striking, and I, I've been so big on him so long. Yeah, in, yeah, he, he gets beat by these crafty guys. But I, I mean, somebody put this, and I can't remember who who uh, said it. But Preston gets hit bad in all of his fights. He gets marked up, beat up pretty bad, and now you have the biggest puncher that he's ever fought, and a guy who's got great first line uh, takedown defense. And Preston doesn't even have great cardio to begin with. Um, there was a time in the Wells fight where Semmelsberger actually did stand up and that was all I needed to see. At least he knows. And his coaches know, like, this is what you're supposed to do now, whether you can do it tough, different, but I think Wells jujitsu is actually really, really good. And that's going to be the big difference. I don't think Preston's jujitsu is amazing. You saw Giles getting up a lot of times, just giving up his back, grabbing, breaking the hands and then letting Preston slide off the top. Yeah, but I think Giles is a much better grappler than Semmelsberg. So do I. I. I totally agree with you, especially get-ups and just overall. Um, I totally agree with you. But also, Giles isn't scary on the feet. Yeah. He'll jab you to death, but he's not scary. Uh, I had to go back and forth on this one a lot because I'm like, man, I can also see a world where Preston is just pressing forward the whole time and, and wears him out and gets him down and wins rounds. I don't think that's going to happen. And honestly, it's the same thing. Like if, if uh, Semmelsberger gets up, last 10 seconds and then puts a big flurry together, all of a sudden he wins the round. Uh, so for me, I'm going to go Semmelsberger. Okay. It's funny. So you said you're like, uh, he has the best first line defense and then you turn the corner at all. And th I was looking at my actual write-up. <laughs> okay. And these are, uh, you know, I said, of course he has a cannon of right hand, unbelievable power. And I said, his takedown defense is similar to a lot of strikers turned uh, MMA fighters where he stops the initial shot but falls victim to the chain wrestling. <laughs> After getting taken down, he does a good job of staying calm, not taking damage, uh, and somehow eventually finds his way back to his feet. The um, way that he whips these guys is unbelievable, yeah. followed by in like, the next 10 seconds, he just ends up on his back. I want to grapple with him because he looks... Like he had Jeremiah Wells side mounted on top of him and would just like bridge and roll him over. And we know Jeremiah Wells is strong as shit. Like you, that guy's a horse and he would just like, okay, I'm up. And so you're like, man, like how strong is this guy? What does he do? What is he eating over there? Um, but the, the thing is actually, so you said Parsons kind of JV wrestling. Oh, what's old is new again. And I'm starting to see. Oh, man should be on his knees. I'm starting to see a lot of 
wrestlers, uh, Pat Sabatello. He has made a living off of so- Sabatello? Danny. Danny Sabatello. Yeah, yeah, Okay. Yes. You're talking yes. Sabatini, and he yeah. just gets knocked out. Two people, yeah. I'm, I'm combining two Italian They're pretty wrestlers. much the same, before being real yeah. honest. One of them with a weirder nasally voice. So uh, Sabatello, does, he does not wrestle on the cage. He shoots out in the open. People are so used to floating and defending to the cage. Everyone knows how to cage wrestle now. So Sabatello shoots. They defend. He turns Swings the corner. The back, yeah. And then now he, they don't have the stand-up either because they're not on the cage. Um, we're starting to see a lot more people shoot out in the open on their knees. And that's changing the angle and it's changing stuff, especially against a guy like Semmelsberger who defends the first line so well. But out in the open shooting your knees, that's going to give him that c- corner. So uh, Parsons is going to be able to shoot in on his knees. He's going to get his initial shot stopped, but then he's going to turn the corner and end up on top. So I, I think it actually him shooting the way that he does is going to help him against Semmelsberger against a better wrestler. I don't think it necessarily will, but here I think it will. Then it, it really comes down. And, but honestly, I mean, Semmelsberger knocked out wit who has the chin of, you know, a, a, this cup could take a better shot than wit. And then he knocked out, um, another guy really fast too. I forget who. It oh was. yeah. You know him. He's my best buddy. Uh, Martin snow. Yes, Martin. Yes. <laughs> he came into fight ready for a while. <laughs> yes, he knocked out Martin, who doesn't have a chin and doesn't strike and is a jujitsu guy. Be nice. So um, I love Martin. Martin's an awesome guy. Um, but that we we've not seen a lot out of the chin of of him in that situation. Everybody else is a decision. So I was like, man, I love his power. I love this. I love his striking. But then he's going to decisions against these guys. So it's not like he's just starching everybody. Preston Parsons is decent at striking he's got a decent chin his hands you want to know what i hate about his hands is they're so low he kind of looks over his hands as if he's looking for something and he almost looks like a, a rabbit or something or he's kind of <laughs> like mousing around but man his his striking's not bad he has good power he moves well he has decent reads and, and honestly i think this is a really really close fight i i just can't i i Semmelsberger has got to show me a little bit better fight IQ, a little bit better something before I can throw anything behind him again. And I think Parsons, while not amazing, can do enough to just get on top and win. It wouldn't surprise me to see Semmelsberger win. I don't know that I would bet money on it because it's so close, but I like, I think you know what I just gets I, down. I saw a couple times, and this is the exact thing that Semmelsberger does. Giles, a couple times when Preston would shoot and he was getting a little bit more tired, he would just hip highs too. Shuck him out. Yeah, yeah, just shuck him out. And then I'm like, I'm looking at, at Semmelsberger who does it like his life depends on it. Like he's like, <laughs> just so aggro the way that he does it. I'm like, I can just see Preston ending up on his back for a while. Um, yeah. And and honestly, well, Semmelsberger is not bad on top. He's not bad on top, but Preston's actually has decent grappling. The way that he takes the back, we saw him against Evan Elder do that, come up, really attack the back well. Elder's and, a 55er though. So I, I'm just saying, I'm saying, I saw what I saw. I saw what I saw. All right. Um, all right. We have Andre Orlovsky against Walder Cortez Ocasta. Ocasta is at minus 600. Orlovsky is at plus 425. Um, this is another one I was trying to find a way for Orlovsky <laughs> to win. Okay. Because Acosta, he has everything bad you want to say. He has bad cardio. He has bad <laughs> wrestling defense. I mean, in his cardio, at, at a slow pace, he slows down. He throws a lot of punches, he, though. Yeah, he, I think he, he actually has good cardio. Well, all right. So I would say at a slow pace, his volume is high, so that tires him out. But it's not like 
he's like scrambling and going and punching and fighting. Like it's just a wild striking. fight. Yeah. He just, his volume output is, is high and it gasses him out. So, but he has, uh, he slows down. He doesn't know what a kick is. He's never checked a kick in his life. Um, his wrestling is non-existent. I don't think he probably has a ground game just based on the, when we've seen him on his back. Um, I, I don't know. So then you have Orlovsky and like Orlovsky's Orlovsky at this point. He's 68 years old. He moves. He kind of, he looks the part like he's going to do something and he's going to come in. He's going to come in. Really good. He's going to come in, <laughs> but he just doesn't come in. And he's so worried about taking damage now that everything is so you throw at him and he paused with that right hand and, and jabs. He just jabs back and he's kind of halfway parrying a punch and then halfway kind of framing and reaching and he's always backing up and he's always backing up and he's always reaching, which is why he's been knocked out as many times as he has. He's never stopped. It's always going backwards. So he's going backwards, yeah. chin up, reaching. And, and he does that. And if, if he were out there just trying to swing on Acosta, like, okay, we can, we can do something, but all of it, I mean, he hasn't won a fight by submission since 2015. Every other fight is a decision that he's won. He's losing, you know, getting knocked out brutally he just isn't there to win these fights anymore. He's there not to lose. And they have a, a lot of common opponents, Vanderay, Chase Sherman. Yep. Um, and you, you see these guys, if Orlovsky would just shoot in and take him down, I think he could just beat the brakes off him, get him to turn, choke him out in round one. Orlovsky won't do that. He hasn't done that. And because of that, I think Acosta is going to just stick that jab and stick that jab and stick that jab. And I don't know that there's anything Orlovsky's going to do about it because Orlovsky's the jab guy. Orlovsky's the guy, let me stay safe. Let me stay outside. Let me pepper with a jab. And then if you screw up, I'll be here waiting. But Acosta's just going to sit there and jab him as well and then throw that fastball right hand every once in a while. And if he lands it, Orlovsky dies. Man, I, I got to go Acosta here. And it kills me because I think Orlovsky could shoot in, take him down, beat him up, and be done in round one and, you know, go eat dinner. I just love that uh, his Dominican roots are so strong that he even throws right hands like pitches. Oh, like a pitch. He should be in the MLB. On the mound. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just throws fastballs. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you, you covered all the bases here. I think Waldo Cortez Acosta, right? They're giving him a, a layup. They wanted to see what he was made of a few times. They've been giving him great fights. He's got a great management somehow. But, uh, yep, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, all right, next up, Phil Haas, Bruno Ferreira, Pereira, Ferreira. Um, Haas is plus 105. Bruno is minus 125. What you got? Who you got? Give me some Phil Haas. I love Phil Haas here. Um, Bruno is just, he's tiny, uh, like training in Brazil, like weird fights, weird gyms. I think I've said this a few times, like his film is interesting because he's not like he's done anything wrong. The fade spot on him, right? Like he doesn't do anything wrong. He reminded me a lot of like a Brazilian AJ Fletcher. It's like, we know what his limit, limitations could be, but on film, we haven't really seen it until we just got knocked out in the last fight, right, by Nurselton or whatever. Um, and I, I want to talk about that really quickly because that's one of those – both these guys are chinned, yeah. you know, in their last fights. They always are. That – I think that was more of him getting caught off guard from throwing the kick and then getting hit on the ground more so than it was – Yeah. Like just eating a shot standing that knocked him out cold. So, but anyway, continue. No, I just think this fight is, is, is super, super simple. And maybe I'm an idiot for saying Phil Hawes because his chin really is that bad, but I don't think it is. I think, you know, now watching, um, uh, what, what's the big Russian dude, uh, Ikram? Now watching Ikram, like 
put stamps on his punches, really put things together. I mean, the dude can punch, actually can punch. Um, I, I think anytime Phil's going to be in danger of, uh, you know, the big overhands of Bruno, he's just going to level change and take him down. Like, but Phil- he doesn't. He 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 doesn't wrestle the way that he used to. Maybe he will now be another knockout. Maybe he has to. Is he still at Killcliffe? Because I've been looking at his Instagram and I haven't seen him over there. Yeah, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe that's yeah, a blessing. Who, who knows? I just think skill for skill, Phil Hawes can wrestle his ass off. He's beat really good guys. His striking, I mean, watch the Der- uh, Deron win fight. Like, he is a good strike. Like, he is good. Um, and his chin is his one liability. Too many times, especially last year, we got caught on guys that were like, their chin is gone. They're going to get knocked out. And then they come back and... and eat every shot and put on a, a master class. Um, give me the guy with more skills at, at dog money. I like Phil Haas. Yeah, this is a weird one. Um, who did, so Phil Haas beat Jerron Wynn and Kyle Dawkins. Didn't he beat um, uh, the Russian, Nasruddin Amavov? Yes, and he got almost murdered at the end of but that. But he won the fight. No, no, he did. But yeah, he, but he wrestled like all hell in that one. Yeah. And that was impressive. We saw what Nasruddin did. Uh, um, was it Chris Curtis? He just took down... He also knocked out uh, Jacob Malkoon, which made everybody think Malkoon was shinny. Yep. But Phil Hawes, I think uh, he has five losses, four of which are KOs and one of which is a submission. Um, Skill for skill, you already said it. Phil Hawes is amazing. He's actually one of the more technical guys in every facet of the sport in the in the UFC right now, like his yeah. striking is good. You look at his one, two, it is clean, fast, right down the middle. His wrestling, of course, he's a Juco, I believe national champ. Yeah, um, really I, I think it was a Juco. I knew he was all American, but I think he was a Juco national champ at Iowa central, which is where Colby and John Jones went. Um, submissions. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, but does that really matter here anywhere? He's going to punch. Him yes. On top, it, it doesn't really matter. Cardio's, for the most part, pretty good. Everything is good. Cardio is really good for how he's built and how, how he fights. he's yeah. built in fights. It's just, dude, he finds a way to lose. He just finds a way to get knocked out. Um, Ferreira, I don't think he's as bad as I initially thought. If you actually look at him and then watch all of his fights, he always switches stance to stance to stance, but he doesn't do it uh, just to do it. He's doing it to, he doesn't do it. He's a counter puncher as well. And he doesn't do a great job of drawing people in because he's a shorter fighter. So he likes them to throw so that that creates the the counter for him. So he will switch stance. When he goes to his left, he's a southpaw. When he goes to his right, he's an orthodox fighter. A lot of times he'll go to his left, and of course he's looking for that left. But a lot of times he'll shift to his left, and as people come in, he actually throws a right hook over the top, which is what's been hurting people. We saw him against um, Robocop. Uh, Robocop get taken down and immediately, and he was flat on his back and he built a base turned and built right back up very impressively against a big, long, tall, gangly jujitsu guy. guy, And he did the right stuff. Skill for skill. I think Phil Haas is infinitely better everywhere. And I still think I I have to go Ferreira on this one. You think the time decay in this fight at some point, even if he puts together 14 good minutes, it's coming. Yeah, and, and we, we've only seen um, Ferreira beat up 80-year-old men in Brazil, but we've seen Phil Hawes get knocked out at any point. And it's almost, you want to know what's funny? So the Duran Wynn fight, it's like, man, if Duran Wynn was anybody but Duran Wynn, at some point he would have swung and clipped him because, I mean, he, he put a beating on him, but he didn't put him away. And if you're not putting people away, 
Uh, if Phil Hawes isn't putting people away, if Phil Hawes was, I'm going to finish or get finished type of guy, I'm, I'm there 100%. But that Duran win fight and some of these fights where he's just there and the Chris Curtis fight, like he looked great until he just got murdered. <laughs> but he was just peppering and peppering and technique. And if he was going out there just swinging, trying to knock him out, I would be more, more likely to throw on Phil because we know he's athletic and then it's chin for chin, but he's trying to kill him. But Phil is going to try and technique him. He's going to try and technique him. He was by, getting tired doing that. Yeah, but, but that's exactly it. And so now if he's not going to go out there swinging and put Ferreira away and he's going to go out there and try and win a 15-minute decision against a guy who's knocking everybody out, um, I, I just think at some point the um, – honestly, it's, it's your guy freaking um, – Estevan Rybovic. Yeah. We've seen Rybovic's um, knock everybody out, and we were waiting for the moment when shit got hard and didn't happen and yada yada. And you fought him tooth and nail for three rounds, and the dude was still there and wouldn't die. Just because we haven't seen it, I, it doesn't mean it's not there. That makes sense. But yeah. I have seen Phil die like, and come back to life four times. Yeah, and the the Dalize one was crazy with the knee. That, and the- That actually is one of the only ones I don't hold against him because his knee was done in this weird way, and then <laughs> he got keep going, knocked yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, that was kind of a weird one, so I, I don't really hold that one against him too much. But, uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't bet on that chin. I can't, and I can't tell other people to bet on Phil's chin. I, I think fight doesn't go, obviously. A hundred percent. Fight doesn't go the distance is a given on this one. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. All right, next up, what do we have? Um, Mario Batista and Ricky Simone. Tell us your thoughts on that. I actually love this fight. Actually, you know, it's funny. You just said that about Phil Haas. Like, Phil Haas doesn't wrestle anymore. Um, I feel the same about Ricky Simone. I remember watching old Ricky Simone tape. Like, again, when we first started, what are the other than to tell that story? Oh, hold on. Before you go, you, yep. said Ricky, or you said Ricky doesn't wrestle anymore. Are you talking just about his last fight or multiple fights in a row? Multiple fights in a row. Okay. He he does pretend to wrestle. He shoots in on the legs, but then he immediately bails on it and just comes up to the body lock and then holds you against the fence for a couple minutes. And I don't know if that's because of change in game plan. He's knocking guys out. I think or, you're talking about the Jack Shore fight who yes, is a good so, He's really good at wrestling defense. His yeah. wrestling defense and his cage defense is really, really good. So that's so what anyway, I was going to finish this part with was I don't know if that's his own game planning and what he's doing or if that's just because his level of opponents has just gotten that much better and he doesn't, he just can't put that on him that much. Um, I- I'm watching Mario and Mario is so athletic and he moves so well and he just has such great fight IQ. He's constantly breaking and, and moving and getting off the cage and circling out and, and and putting volume out there. His jiu-jitsu is good. And it's funny because I used to watch Ricky Simone and I was like, all right, Ricky Simone's on my list. He's one of those guys that's just so dependable, really good cardio, will chain wrestle, and his jiu-jitsu is very underrated. Like, he has very, very good jiu-jitsu. Um, watch someone try to guillotine him. Like, instantly he's rolling his head. Like, he does everything perfect, right, awesome. Um, but then, yeah, watching Jack Shore get up and I'm like... I. I see a lot of similar things that Jack Shore does to Mario Batista, right? He's fighting the hands, he's getting up, he's finding his his exits off the cage, like a lot of really, really good things. So I think, you know, if he doesn't successfully get one or two right off the start, now we're talking about a striking fight. And Mario is a good striker. And what I like about Mario is he doesn't force things. He kind of just takes whatever's there, like the inside low kicks there. Okay. I'm going inside low, putting a couple jabs in your face. Like he just takes what's available. Whereas Ricky, you know, he will fire and he keeps that little tight shell and swings them overhands. But in a striking fight, I mean, I'm, I'm taking underdog money. Um, 
I think I like Mario here. I think I really like Mario here. I don't hate that call. Um, I like Ricky, but I don't hate that call at all because Mario is really good. The thing that Mario does really well is he gets back to his feet. Is is his he's jiu-jitsu. so squirmy and yeah, wormy? He is a black belt in jujitsu. Is he really? Uh, yes, he trains the gi. He gets back up. He's really good at that stuff. My issue with this fight is watching Mario's last fight with Damone Blackshear, and Damone won round one, and he took that fight on seven days. He fought, then fought seven days later. Had uh, two weight cuts in literally seven days. Didn't have time for it, and that's a hard thing. And Hats off to him for doing it. And he's huge for the weight. Yeah, and he did a really good job, and he just – Mario was better. I think if Damone had a camp, I think Damone would have won that fight because I think he won round one, and I think he – if he had a little bit more in the gas tank, I think he could have won round two. Then he doesn't get finished in round three. But I think Damone's striking is better than Ricky Simone's, and I think his – not even necessarily pure jiu-jitsu, but his body for jiu-jitsu is better. I I think you could be right. But I think, man, that that pressure of Ricky with the takedowns, um, just again and again and again. I don't know if it is going to be a striking battle if he doesn't get the takedown. I think he's going to be pushing him up against a fence. So I think it's a lot of that fence pushing. Um, I I don't actually. I think if it goes to a decision, I think it's Ricky Simone is going to win a decision. Um, and if there's a finish, I think it will be a TKO. Flying knee from from Mario. I probably. could see that. I, I could see a flying knee, but I could actually see him hurting Ricky and then jumping on a submission or hurting Ricky and then he gets a TKO. But Ricky's tough, man. He's got a good chin. We saw him just go four rounds with um, Song before he got put out. I, I think Ricky's pressure and cardio. His cardio is actually really good. Um, I, I think his cardio is really Again, good for how he fights. Like you think yeah. about that. That's a grind. so uh, I I could see I could absolutely see Mario winning it, but I think Ricky's wrestling is going to get this one done. Yeah, I, I hope so. Like, I could see that too. Like, dude, fuck off. But I just, you know, I'm watching these last few fights and he like shoots in, but then comes immediately up to the body lock and like has no interest and then just and disengages. The other thing, and, and I, I really like, I think Mario has a really good skill set. I think he's really good. I just want to bring up one other thing. Ricky Simone. Um, he's eight, Simone. Eight and three in the UFC. <laughs> Shamone. Um, he has a win over Mirab Dwalshwili, which was kind of interesting because he, that was a, Weird fight. But he beat Montel Jackson, who's a good, long... Montel from the block? Yeah. <laughs> striker with good... Re- I mean, Montel's solid. He beat uh, Haney Aya, lost to Uriah, of course. Um, lost to Rob Font. Beat Ray Borg. Uh, beat Kelleher, Asuncao. And then J- that Jack Shore knockdown and submission was really impressive. And then it was in the fifth round that he got, uh, you know, TKO'd by Song. Now... Batista seven and two in the UFC, and 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 he lost to Corey Sanhagen and was beating Trevin Jones and he got that you know knockout situation. First of all, have you seen? Do you follow Trevin on Mm-mm. Instagram? Um, I went to the, so for those of you guys that don't know, I just did like a twelve day trip all across the country, you know, the Southwest country, and uh, I went to Cage Warriors where he was uh, fighting and he fought this kid Roberto Hernandez. Watching live, I was like, okay, I could see 30-27 for Roberto. If not one and three for Roberto, I thought he won. And I thought it was clear. I was like, okay, I'm sitting here cage side, pretty clear. The dude has been on Instagram every single day tagging him going, let's have a rematch, bro. You know, I won this. Like, he won't shut up about it. I'm like, I've never seen a more poor sport. And I used to be a fan of Trev. So going on that, <laughs> um, Mario lost to Corey, short notice fight, whatever. There's no harm in losing that. He beat Miles John, which I think is probably one of his 
better win outside of the Damone Blackshear fight, which again, just has that asterisk of like, yeah, fought it last minute. And then he beat Guido Canetti, Benito Lopez, Brian Kelleher, and Jay Perrin, who are just not um, amazing. I get it. But you also know. that path, the, those fights, that path tells you what the UFC thinks of Mario. Oh, yeah. They, they want him to do the big things yeah. and win and go. And this is and the step up it. here. They like his style. So I, I like Mario. Um, I think Ricky Simone wins this. Okay. Ketlin Vieira. Minus 175. Macy Chaisan at fight plus is off. 150. Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, man, that sucks because I was really going to talk about this fight for a long time. Depth, I spent yeah, a yeah. lot of time on tape analyzing each one of these women's every move in the cage. Uh, all right. So um, Gabriel Benitez, minus 101. Jim Miller, minus 119. Am I up or are you up? Uh, I want to hear what you have to say on this one because I've been back and forth 100 times on this one. I could be insane here. I don't even think this is a close fight. You think Miller's going to kill him? I think Miller's going to kill him. Um, Benitez, I... The fight here, all right, you guys, if there's odds on this, which there won't be, but I'll give you odds. The real thing here is how long will it take one of the announcers to say that Benitez is the hardest, hardest kicker, kicker at AKA and that that includes Luke Rock... And that, that includes a big gym full of people of Luke Rockhold and you know how hard he kicks and... Um, anyway, okay. So that's what I want to know. But anyway, look, Benitez is fine. He's, he's, he's a little stiff. His best attribute, I mean, just in his striking. Come on. Um, he's got, he relies on that left kick. He's, I, I, I don't get it. He's chinny. Um, even, um, Hootie Corntillo was just in his face, just beating on him. And I swear every punch he threw was landing. He did drop Corntillo in second or the third, clipped him with a good punch. Kurt Onama, um, like he, yeah. he does good work. He, look, he definitely does some good stuff. Miller has just looked really good lately. And honestly, even in that Alex Hernandez fight. So I was looking at it like, okay, cause Miller has been beating up guys who aren't on the Yes, Hard. I understand. They're not on the level. But then that Alex Hernandez fight, I was like, okay, let me go back and watch that. He lost, but he had some good moments. He wasn't like super chinny. He was pressing. His cardio didn't look – he looked good, and he just lost a fight against Alex Hernandez, who looked really good. Um, man, I, th I just think Jim Miller and his style um, – Gabriel – has a hard time with people who can punch well and he's getting older and older. And as we've seen him get older and older, his cardio is not there. Um, and, and honestly, his boxing is not there. So I like Jim Miller here. I think Jim's going to find his chin and you know, I'm waiting for the Jim's the old guy here, but uh, Gabriel's not super young either. And he's kind of chinny yeah. as well. So um, I like Miller here. Here's where I went back and forth on this fight because stand, stand up standing wise, um, I think Benitez is a thousand times better than Jim Miller. A thousand times. Like technique for technique. Like his low kick is really mm -hmm. good. His body kick. Like yep. he uses the leg really well. And then I was actually practicing this today because my legs hurt. So I was like, I was watching the film. And when he, uh, he enters the pocket and like they, they talked about, he, he enters boxing range a lot. And not a lot of guys do that. Like really close boxing range. He slips the punch and then he throws, you know, Right hook to the body, left hook, right hook, left hook, and then exits. And it's amazing. And he, he slips and moves his head really well. Skill for skill, I think he's way better standing. Amazing. Um, I think he is for the first four minutes. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. For three minutes. And uh, actually, the, the Hernandez fight was the one that I went back to as well. Because, you know, knocking out Jesse Butler, whatever. And then 
the Vince Pichel fight has always stuck in my mind. I'm like, he had such bad cardio in the Vince Pichel fight and looked horrible. And I thought his career was done at that point. Mm -hmm. And he's had some kind of career resurgence. And I was still always like, nah, but he can't go three rounds. Like he'll tire himself out. But he's like, all of a sudden, he's always been a veteran, but now he learned how to fight. And I feel like something with Miller is Miller kind of, we all look at Miller as a grappler, but grappling is what tired him out. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Now that he's just striking, it's not, I think defensive grappling doesn't tire him out. I think offensive grappling tires him out. And I think he's realized, oh, I've got a good enough chin. I've got good enough striking. I have good power. Let me just work on that. And and that's been the big change. Exactly. Because in that fight, he was trying to offensively grapple Mm -hmm. and he was shot. Like it was done. And he hasn't really done that since. Um, And and you're exactly right. Benitez is going to tear him up. He's going to probably beat up that leg, you know, hit his body a bunch of times. And then Miller's just going to dog him out and he's going to get, you know, he was charging Alex Hernandez and Alex Hernandez is fast and, and young and dynamic and doesn't just melt with every single punch. Like if you, you know, the, I guess it depends, but Benitez is going to go at some point for me. This is like what you're saying about the Phil Hawes fight. He has 15 minutes to die. Yeah. He, he might look great and, and be in and out and maybe even hurt Jim Miller. He could drop Jim Miller once hurt his leg, but eventually Jim Miller is going to get to him, uh, whether it be with the grappling. And actually what's weird is I really like Benitez grappling. I was going to say his grappling is actually decent. It's very, if he good. gets taken down and he attacks the leg locks. He's always up, grabbing he's the, hands, the hands standing. Yeah. I, I actually like his grappling. Honestly, if Miller wrestles offensively, yeah. I'm, I'm banging on Benitez. A hundred percent because yeah. he's going to tire himself out and Benitez is actually decent enough. Where I think Miller's grappling will come in play is if he hurts Benitez, Benitez clinches or grabs a leg, then Jim Miller jumps to a guillotine That's or something like that. Too. You, you know, then I like that. But for Miller to offensively be wrestling, he... Yeah, if, if he starts that right away, I'm going to start loading up a... Which a, we haven't seen in years. Yeah, a Benitez bet. Even if Miller gets him down and dominates round one, Cool. I'm on Benitez again. Still. Yeah. But his cardio is not even amazing either. It's not amazing. That's the thing. He, he looks, yeah. So he looks so good. So uh, I think I'm going to stick with Miller. The MMA propaholic, whatever, he did a really good write up on why he's going with Benitez. And I was reading it and it's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. That sounds really good to me. And I'm like, what am I doing? I, I like Miller here. The thing is, fighting's weird because you get people who are better and they don't always win. And that's like Phil Haas. I think Phil Haas is infinitely better everywhere. Miguel Baeza. Um, if you had to, if you had to run back Miguel oh Baeza, gosh. Andre Fialho fight a hundred times, like M- Miguel Baeza and everyone a hundred times, he's yeah. so good, and that chin just fades him. Or you get people their cardio fades him, the chin fades him, they're they can't stop a shot. Something there's, there's that one Achilles, and it and it kills them. Um, yeah, and I, I think Phil Haas is better. I think Benitez is skill for skill better, and I don't know that that means they're going to win. Mateus Nicolau, Manel Cape. Um, Nicolau is at plus 215. Cape is at minus 255. I've never seen anything like uh, Manel in my life. I mean, the dude is like a freak athlete. Incredible boxing. He can do everything well. The only thing I don't really like is he's comfortable playing off his back quite a bit. And uh, I think Nicolau is is amazing too. He's got really clean hands. He's just a little slower. I don't want to say anything, but uh, Manel's a little blackletic. You know, he's got that, that little fast twitch. Um, I just don't want to see him on his back for too long. And maybe Nicolau does that, but I don't see him being able to close the range on Manel. And Manel's just great hips and great movement, lateral movement. His punches are going to keep Nicolau at range. What's funny is uh, I actually bet big on Nicolau in that first fight. Really? Yeah, yeah. I bet big on Nicolau. And I was like, no, no, I've watched every Nicolau fight. He's the truth. He's going to be a champion someday. And uh, my friend UFC Shark was like, dude, you're crazy. And then Nicolau won out like, see? fucking told you so and he's like dude did you even watch the fight i said no but i <laughs> man i thought 
it was one and one going into the third. And then it was uh, Nicolau's fight until the last 20 or 30 seconds. And then I thought, okay, Cape won this. He, he deserves a nod and he didn't get it. Damn. Nicolau is weird. He just runs and runs and runs and runs and runs. And then you chase him and then he throws. And the, the best example of that is a danger Matt Chanel fight where he just ran and ran and ran and ran. And then at some point you just get frustrated and you just start like swinging. And then you overexpose yourself and you get clipped. Um, it's kind of his MO. And then on the other side of that, Cape, Cape is great everywhere except for his volume. A lot of times his volume yeah. is lower and you want to know what it is. He, he switches stances quite a bit and he likes to be in a southpaw stance because he likes that left middle kick and he likes that left knee. There's something that he favors about that stance. But when he switches orthodox is when his boxing becomes better. He's a much better boxer as an orthodox fighter and he uses his jab and his volume goes up and he starts peppering. Uh, go back and watch some of his fights and you'll see him in that back stance, open stance, southpaw, and it's he's waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and it's just so low volume. And then he switch stances, and that's when the, the volume comes up and he really starts peppering. And he has good head movement, and he's fast, and, and just good everything from an orthodox fighter. I hope to see him orthodox more because against Nikola, who just runs so much, you've got to use your hands to chase. You can't just be chasing and, and running into people. But since then, I think Cape has worked a lot on his wrestling. I think his wrestling is better than it used to be. We see him uh, training with the the whole group over at the UFCPI wrestling, you know, multiple times a, a week. And, and I think he's going to be able to stop the takedown more. I like Cape here. I really do. I like Cape here. Yeah, I, I think, it. you know, could if Cape loses, it's going to be because I don't think it's going to be because he's on his back. I think it's going to be because he's not throwing as much. And he lets I mean, that's Nicolau, always a possibility too. Yeah, but he's do, picked up his volume in recent he fights. He has picked up his volume in, in recent. And I think he's going to know. I think he knows how to fight him now and he knows what he's getting. And I think he's going to have learned from that. He reminds me of that British boxer that I was just talking about where he is like so good that he knows at any point he can just go win the fight. And so he just low volumes it for a while, yeah. messing around, seeing, trying all the stuff. And he's like, all right, now like I can go do this. Yep. Uh, brings us to our main event. That's it. We are, we are going, we're going. There's been a long, a lot of talking, a lot of chit chat, a lot of words, a lot of, chit -chat a lot of words. Uh, if you haven't, you guys subscribe and like, please. Um, oh, you know, the other thing is I, I got to post at some point, I'm going to do it here and on the Patreon. We did a bunch of analytics on all of our bets and fights and this and that. And on, um, the stuff that we put on the Patreon, we broke it down 2023 and 2022. I think I was at around a, we were both right around a 70% win rate on stuff. And uh, ROI, I forget what yours was at, but I know my ROI. When we did this, like, if you just blanket bet all of our like them and love them picks, like just yeah. every single one of my love them and like them picks on the Patreon, you just bet $100. We're not managing bankroll or anything. You just, $100 straight up on every pick that I picked. Yeah. Um, and I, again, I, I'll post this because I forget if this was 2020. Yeah, this was just 2023. You'd be up $5,000. So that was just $100 nice. on bets. Again, we're not, we're not talking odds and managing bankrolls and units. $100 straight up money line. This is what we're doing in every fight. So I'm going to post that because I ran all of the stuff on all of the numbers on everything. And I wanna, I'm going to show people. That way you guys can see... And it's funny because there's different odds groups as well. 
like some of the odds groups, I think it was like minus, uh, I, I'll look it up, minus 600. Okay, it was minus 600, minus 700. My winning percentage on it was like 84%, but you actually would have lost money on that odds group alone yeah, because yeah. you'd bet $100 and you'd win seven of them, but you lose one and now you're automatically underneath. Uh, I think my best ROI was the plus 300 group. I was at like 55% win rate, but at like the ROI was like something insane off of it because you're of good it. at the underdogs. Like I was even thinking, cause I heard him talk on the, the broadcast, uh, Ode Osborne and, and Tyson Nam, and you called yeah. Nam in that one. Like, that was one. Everybody was on Ode Osborne. I'm like, you guys listen, like that was good. The other one there was uh, I think it was minus 200 was ROI was really good. And then the plus 300s were like my best ROI groups. And I broke everything down by group. I'll, I'll put it up on the Patreon and everything. So, and the other thing too, is we went through and we looked at every, every single fight over the last two years to see what odds group won and lost the most, not even anything that you and I did, but just in terms of like, if you were to bet every fight and the odds grouping we did was like minus 100 to minus 149, minus 150 to minus 200, and then a hundred increments on the favorites. And we did the same thing on the underdogs because we wanted to see exactly if you just bet same amount of money, $100 on every single fight over the year in that specific group, what group would produce the best ROI? Because winning percentage doesn't matter if you're, I mean, really it's, if- Yeah, I get it. You could bet a, a million minus thousands and still lose money. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, it's your bankroll and how much you bet on one. Yeah. Oh, I lost seven fights in a row, but I bet, you know, $2,000 on this 400 underdog. So this and that. So forget about that, but just, just, ROI on a hundred dollar bets on every single one in each group was really interesting to see um, who won the most just straight up based on the odds and where your money would go. So let's get into this main event. Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker. Walker's at plus 350. Magomed Ankalaev is at uh, minus 450. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't think this is going to be crazy to say, Okay, let's hear it. Ankalaev's jab and takedowns are just winning this fight. <laughs> so good. He has such good, clean boxing. Forget about the calf kicks. But Johnny Walker's not a calf kicking machine. He's he's calmed down a little bit, but he's not the guy who's going to stick to a calf kick game plan for five rounds. Um, he might throw a calf kick and then a flying left high kick. But what's funny is actually Johnny Walker's grappling is not bad. I and mean, his top game is actually really good. Yeah. I don't know how he would get maybe catch a kick and end up on top or something like that here. I don't see it happening. I'm just saying like, we, we just talk. Yeah, yeah, um, but man, uncle, I have his, his, his fundamental boxing is good. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes. His jab is really good and his wrestling and takedowns are phenomenal. And his ground and pound is great. I, I mean, again, you better Walker better do, do some wild shit. He has to. In a real fight, he's not yeah. winning this fight. Yeah. And, and the thing with Walker, we talked about it with Javid Basharat earlier, whichever Basharat is fighting. Um, Fareed. Fareed. <laughs> Javid Fareed Basharat. Uh, I'm glad I have you here that actually knows this stuff. I'm like, gosh, I don't know. There's so much stuff I, I can't even remember. Talk about Basharat. The guy that's going to beat him is not going to be a technician. It's going to be a wild guy swinging and going. And that some of these guys got to realize what they're good at. And Johnny Walker is getting more and more and more technical as he goes. And I think that's going to hurt him in this fight. Like this is a fight where he's got to go out there swinging guns blazing. He needs to look at this as a two round fight and just go out there for broke 
and try to win because I, I don't see him winning a decision and I don't see him winning a technical fight here. Uh, but he's trying to be more and more and more technical. What if he pulls the the rope dub like last time? That can always do it. Well, honestly, it could. Like that it is could. the kind of stuff that yeah. he needs to do. Yep. Yeah, he's got to be creative. He's got to. I'm hurt. I'm falling. I'm swinging. I'm this and I'm that in. Um, otherwise, I I don't really know what his path to victory is. Yep. Say no more. We're going uh, Dagestan on this one. Ooh wee. Uh, all right. Well, that is our Dagestani breakdown for the day. Um, whoever's neck beard wins wins. And that is it, man. We'll see you guys on the Discord. We'll see you on the Patreon. We'll see you next week. Happy betting.